Welcome to the Marriage Today Show. I'm Jimmy Evans. As we near our 300th episode of the Marriage Today podcast, we're looking back at some of our favorite moments on the show. On today's episode, let's look back at some of my favorite moments from Karen on the show. What issues do you think are essential for a couple to discuss together when they are dating? I am considering getting more serious with a man and would like your advice. Well, I think the you know first thing that I would say because you you used to this in other shows is where are they spiritually? Because you know what we do is based out of the Bible, and so to us, you and I, what we would teach anybody is you know what what Absolutely. is your foundation with God? Absolutely. I mean, and I always like to tell women if if your husband's not if the man you're dating is not becoming in love with the Lord or is not in love with the Lord, then I would question it because. Having a husband that is that knows God and is strong in his faith is everything, yep. and and vice versa. But um, and and I mean those that's the foundation. You know, what's their walk with? And I have a friend that her boyfriend says he's a Christian, but he's not acting like one. So it's like, okay, is he just saying that just to, you know, appease her because you know it's the quote, you know, yeah, of course I'm a Christian because I went to church, but. You know, I would just make sure that was the most important, you know, thing. And then Absolutely. after that, you know, how many kids do you want to have? You know, which church are we going to go to? I mean, uh, financially, are we going to agree on finances and communication? You know, when we communicate and have conflict, how do we deal with it? Um, it says, it feels like my husband has lost interest in me and our marriage. We're acting more like roommates at this point in our lives. Is there anything I can do to get his attention? That's a good question. Well, besides walking into the room completely naked. Oh, <laughs> well, that gets attention. That's a good yes. idea. But, you know, I think probably I would start with communication, you know, because that's one of the hardest things in a marriage is good communication. Yeah. And if your communication is not good, if you're not talking about how you're feeling if you're not talking about the needs that you have and right. you know and so i would suggest just sitting down and having just a normal conversation of like you do, you and i do we say all the time is there anything i can do to improve is there something yeah. that i'm not doing is are you okay you know and you know just have those important questions of how do you think we're doing right now in our marriage well they're obviously not okay no i mean you know if, if he's ignoring her basically mm -hmm. they're, he's not okay he could be distracted he could be offended you know, he could be tempted. He could be, maybe he has an offense. Maybe he's not, he hasn't forgiven for something. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think talking and just face-to-face -face talking. The other thing, Karen, that we talk about is redemptive love. And, and that just simply means when your spouse is doing the wrong thing mm -hmm. for you to pursue them anyway. Mm -hmm. And so you, when, when one spouse kind of goes into their corner and the other spouse goes into their corner, no one fights for the marriage. Mm -hmm. And so what, one of the things you did early in our marriage when we had a bad marriage is you, you pursued me. Mm -hmm. you, you pursued me when I didn't deserve to be pursued. Mm -hmm. And that really, uh, it, it got us off the, the, the hump, mm -hmm. you know. Money is a hot topic for us. We never seem to be on the same page. And talking about it turns into a fight. What do we do? <laughs> well, we went through this, many, many years of this. And actually, it wasn't until we did a vision retreat yeah. that we got set free from yeah. just the entanglement. You know, your personality is is more dominant as far as um, how you see things. And I'm more, uh, you know, a follower, mm -hmm. I should say. But we both came into the marriage. It wasn't about our personalities. It was about how we viewed money. Yeah. And I thought security is having savings. And you thought spending was having fun. And so, you know, we had this conflict of... 
you know, constantly seeing it differently. And so when we finally took that vision retreat and we began to ask the Lord, what, is, what does God say about our finances? Yeah. And we put God in the middle of it. And we, we prayed that week and that, those two days in the cabin. And, you know, we just asked the Lord, you know, how do you want us to handle money? Yeah. And it was miraculous because we yeah. came out of that agreeing on everything. It was like we saw the vision for how our finances should look. You know, whether it was, you know, spending on education, clothes, the kids, you know, uh, all the things that, you know, were important as far as having a family. And so I would definitely say a vision retreat is a huge deal. A huge deal. uh, Just learning, learning to see money the same. Now, the book Four Laws of Love, there are two chapters in here very helpful for anyone who can relate to this. One of the chapters is called Married on Purpose. It's about having a vision retreat. Mm -hmm. We also have a vision retreat guidebook that we just came out with that helps you to prepare for a vision retreat, go on a vision retreat, and follow up after your vision retreat. There's another chapter in the book called on uh, financial intimacy and partnership. So if you have a hard time, and this is all that the Lord has taught us Mm -hmm. about vision retreat and about money, if you have a hard time dealing with this as a couple, you have to get help. Don't just sit there and fight about it and don't give up. Get help. We used to fight about it. Now we get along great because we learned some things along the way. And that, that's why I wrote the book, Four Laws of Love, and why we developed the resource on Vision Retreat. Mm-hmm. you have a question for me? I do. Uh, growing up, my parents didn't have a lot of money, so I don't want to spend more than we have to. My wife says I'm too frugal and should be willing to put money toward having fun with our family. How do I get past the fear that I won't be able to provide enough to do that? Well, I grew up. Poor, mm-hmm. uh, not in poverty, but we grew up poor. Mm-hmm. And um, now my personality is that I want to have fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to use money to bless our family and have fun. Um, your your wife's not right. You're not right. You're both right. And you need to have security. You need to have savings. Mm-hmm. And th- this is what you would say to me, Karen. When you felt like I was spending too much money, you would say, I want to do that, too. I just want to have money and savings before we do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so it's. I think that the husband here, the wife in this situation, uh, is saying some good things to you. Mm-hmm. You you need to invest in your family having fun. You know, if all you have is money and no fun, I mean, what, hey, you'd re- I'd rather have fun and less money, mm-hmm. personally. And so, but you want to have both, uh, and you can have both. But but the there's the winner here should be God, not the man or the mm-hmm. woman. The winner here should be both of you submitting, both of you agreeing and praying about it, and then having faith as you and your wife agree on this that God will provide. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I think bo- they both have. Well, and good I think you have to take money out of the issue as far as putting it. Like money is the answer to whatever we need in a family. Right. You know, it's like you know that shouldn't it shouldn't be something that's controlling you. Right. You know, it should be something that is in a perspective of good stewardship. You know, right. God has given us this, and let's look, look at a way that we can bless each other, bless our family, but yet be um, servants of it and saving. I yeah. mean, you can do it all. You can, absolutely, you can do it all. I I know people that are very wealthy. And they are terrified of spending money, and they're the most boring people in the world. <laughs> uh, they, it doesn't matter how much you have. Mm-hmm. It, it's your value system. Yeah. My wife says that I am not affectionate, and I don't meet her emotional needs. Can you help me understand how I can close that gap? I grew up in an affectionless environment. Well, this is the way you and I were. Sure. Um, 
the only thing that you know I can say is communication's huge. Yeah. And even though you weren't that affectionate, you communicated well. And that is just as important to me as that you know just talk to me, you know, share your feelings, tell me what's going on, you know, in your world. And so I would say, you know, just stop stop with just that and just start communicating. Yeah. And just, you know, get into her world talking, you know, and talk to her and Find out what she likes and dislikes. Ask her how her day is, you know, yeah. and and just begin to explore that part of the relationship. And I think uh, as far as affection, you know, you, with you, it was something that God had to tell you. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I would say with this situation is, you know, ask God to help you, you know, because God can change anybody. I, I grew up in a home that we didn't touch. Mm-mm. We didn't touch. We didn't talk. It was just an affectionless home. And then that's what you, you told me. This is what I need. But it really was the Lord is the one that that helped me the most to deal with that. And I think a big part of it is empathy, mm-hmm. is that putting yourself in your spouse's place and trying to understand their feelings and where they're coming from, because men and women don't need the same things. Mm-hmm. And, but you just have to listen to your spouse and really believe it when they say, yeah. this is what I need. <laughs> My husband had an affair early in our marriage. It's now been three years since that happened. And we have had many talks about moving forward and how I can forgive him. But I still have issues trusting him, and I'm constantly afraid of being manipulated. How can I learn to trust again? Well, it's time. I mean, it it takes time to grow in that kind of trust, and especially Mm -hmm. that kind of violation. And, you know, honestly, let me just say I'm really proud that they chose to stay together and to work on it because um, it is devastating, and it, it violates the deepest core of trust. Yeah. But, you know, keep yourself accountable with other couples. You know, get around other people who can help you walk through this because I don't think you should navigate these kind of issues alone. No, They're just no. too serious. And uh, you, you're, you get in your head too much. And as a, especially as a woman, you know, our, we're, we are imagining and thinking and, and the what ifs, the yeah. will he ever, and, you know, all those um, you know, questions that come to our mind that are accusations against our, our spouse. Right. And, you know, as much as there's a reason for it, it's not healthy, no. you know. And so for her to maybe go to someone and get counseling for herself and just walk through it with somebody else. Well, it's it, there are stages of grief. And in uh, adultery like that, there are stages of grief. I heard the saying once, Karen, that trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets. Mm-hmm. And when you have an affair, you lose buckets of trust. Uh, where are you? Are you being faithful? Are you telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you interested in someone else? All those kinds of things. And those are plaguing questions once adultery, mm-hmm. someone's committed adultery on you. The only way is for the spouse that's cheated to demonstrate trustworthiness, being honest, being accountable, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And I totally agree, Karen, with what you said. And that is there are many great books that have been written by women who have been cheated on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris and Cindy Beal, our friends from Oklahoma City, Mm -hmm. he was a serial adulterer. uh, And Cindy ended up raising a child that he had out of wedlock. And so it was an incredible testimony. But you talk about someone who had to deal with Mm -hmm. the not one affair, Mm -hmm. but a series of affairs. So there are books out there that are available that you should read that will help you. But definitely go into a support group having a friend, especially someone who's been through it successfully, mm-hmm. and having somebody to talk well, to. Well, and, and not being able to forgive him is huge. You know, right. she's having trouble forgiving. And, 
um, it's one thing to build trust. It's another thing to forgive. Yeah. And, you know, I'd start with the baby steps of forgiveness first. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. My in-laws are very overbearing and nosy about our marriage. They want to know too much about the inner workings of our marriage and feel like we are cutting them off when we don't let them into the intimate parts of our relationship. My husband feels like he has to choose between us or losing a relationship with his family. I'm tired of this codependency and would like any advice that you can give. Well, the first advice that God ever gave a married couple was you have to leave your father and mother to Mm -hmm. cleave to your wife. You want to love your parents. Uh, You know, you want to respect your parents. Now, when you're at home as a child, you obey your parents. When you leave home and get married, you honor your parents, but you don't have to obey them. And our son, Brent, and his wife, Stephanie, lived two doors down for us for Mm -hmm. five years. Mm -hmm. We never had one bit of problem because we never went down their house without an invitation. Mm -hmm. Now, they were in our house all the time, stealing food and everything else, (laughs) and we loved it. But we always respected those boundaries. We never went down there and tried to intrude on them. And we have our daughter and her Mm -hmm. husband, and we have our son and his wife. We've never had a problem because we just respect those boundaries. We're very close to them. We have mm-hmm. very close friendships with mm-hmm. our kids and, and their spouses. But we respect that boundary. So here's the issue. Um, you, let's just say this is your husband's parents, and they're trying to transgress the boundaries of your relationship. My parents did this, and your parents did this. Okay? Mm-hmm. You have to lovingly put the boundaries on the relationship and say, we love you, we love being with you, we want to be with you. This is a private area of our relationship we're not gonna to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Our finances, the how we raise our children, whatever like that. We, this is something that we love you. This is a private area of our relationship mm-hmm. and, and we're not inviting, and we, it's not because we don't love you or trust you, this is just a private area of our relationship. Mm-hmm. See, if your parents intrude to the point where there's no longer privacy, it means there's no longer a, a binding of together. A man will leave to cleave mm-hmm. to this. But if there's not leaving, there can't be cleaving. In other words, the parents are like this. They're standing between mm-hmm. you coming together as a couple. There are conversations and prayers and things that we do together that our parents just aren't a part of. Well, and I, uh, two things I would say don't ever do in your relationship with your um, in-laws or even your parents is don't tell them when you're having I- issues Absolutely. in your marriage. Don't share Absolutely. those signs because then they stay mad at the spouse and you're getting, you're, well, you're over it. You're over it and they're still <laughs> mad. Yeah. It's, it's, and, 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 and as an in-law, I've learned how to be an in-law yeah. because I know how I didn't like to be treated in our, our, when we were first married because, you know, our parents were very, you know, controlling and dominant and, you know, so I've, I learned, you know, be careful and don't give your opinion every time they say something. That's right. Let them just talk, you know, and, oh. you know, they don't have to know everything. You know, if they ask me for my opinion, yeah. I'd be happy to, but not in a domineering, right. dominant way. Let them come to you. I heard someone say one time that uh, being an in-law is the art of shutting up. Mm-hmm. And so your kids don't want all your opinions. They, they need to learn to navigate life by themselves, but you're available. You know, we're here if you need us, but in in that way, when they come, it's free will and we have a great relationship. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, Hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word 
and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.